dive right into the scripture, shall we? Um, actually, before that, let me just say, we have been teaching through the book of Ephesians, and uh, we, have, we are Ephesians 5. We actually skipped over Ephesians 5, went to Ephesians 6 a while back ago. So actually, this will be our last message in Ephesians um, before, we, um, before we start our Christmas theme next week. Our Christmas theme this year is called um, Hymns of Hope. And so we're going to be, we're going to have our Advent candles and all that. And we're going to teach through some really popular hymns and some spiritual significances of those Christian hymns that, of uh, Christmas, Christian Christmas hymns of hope. Wow. Okay. So, um, so next week, um, so we'll start on that next week and just to get us prepared for uh, remembering why we celebrate Christmas. Amen. So, um, all right, let's dive right in. Ephesians chapter five. So here we go. We read a little bit this last week, but I want to read this again. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, reading out of the CSB, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, um, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the, Christ, as, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, I feel it in the room. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same ways, in the same way, husbands are to love their wives as, wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one, no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides, provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, is a mis this, this mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and his wife uh, is to respect her husband. Children, we're not through. Children, <laughs> obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it, so it may go well with you, and that so you may have long, a long life in the land. Fathers, do not stir up your children in anger. Excuse me, stir, stir up. Anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling. And, and the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Do not, uh, let's see, don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Do good, uh, do God's will from your heart. Serve. Uh, with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive back from the Lord. 
and masters, treat your slaves in the same way without threatening them. Because you know that both master, uh, both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. Wow. Amen. So we thank you all for coming. And we'll see you all next week. Wow. Here we go. Wow. So we just read that out loud with boldness in church. And everybody's uncomfortable. And uh, not everybody. <laughs> Some of you are like, amen. Amen. <laughs> so, many, so many things about the scripture. So many things like, is, is, is like, is the scripture really telling women that they're second class citizens? It, <laughs> thanks, women. Is the, or is the scripture really giving a green light to slavery? Like, what is going on? In this scripture, right? So if those things are true, then why does Paul later say there's neither male nor female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free? Why does Paul in in um, in First Timothy he talks about? Did you know that um, like there's so many so much talk we talk about slave slavery and like oh, the Bible just tells it's okay to have slaves, does it? Because then why does in First Timothy Paul call out? With the, with the list of murderers, homosexuality, all that kind of stuff, he lists slave traders in that list. So many times, this scripture is pulled out by itself and used, actually has been used to do all kind of stuff that it was never intended to do, right? This scripture has been pulled out because if you can't just pull out this scripture by itself and ignore the rest of the whole scripture, right? Now, is Paul completely tearing down? Oh, he was about to tear down the patriarchy. Is, is, is Paul really doing that? I would argue not. But is he, is he saying that this is, this is the way, the order of the home and blah, 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 and you should lord over your home and blah, blah, blah? Is he saying that? What is he saying? I'm so glad you came. Because we're going to talk about that. So first, let's get some context. Let's get some context. So I did a lot of reading, a lot of research. My poor wife can attest to all the reading and talking and all of the things. And what I realized is, remember back in the first part of Ephesians where we talked about that Paul is writing to both Jew and Gentile believers? Remember that? And remember that when we talked about that, when he said, he said, when he said, we, remember, he said, we have been given this promise and these, he's talking about we Jewish people. Then he changes it and says, but you also have been grafted. All these other things have been done in Christ. So it's important that we understand who he's writing to, the period of time he's writing to, and what he's trying to accomplish in what he's saying. Amen. And so then how do we take that? And, and because it will apply to our own lives and our own families. So last week we began talking about, uh, we did our uh, um, illustration of that we're called to be different. We're called to be different. The church is not supposed to look like the world. We're supposed to be different. We brought out the baseball. We had a glove, a baseball. We had a baseball glove. And then we brought out a football. And it's like one of these things is not like the other, right? So as different as that is, and we brought in an orange. 
and a stump killer, right? As different as those things are, are as different as we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be vastly different. And it goes more, we said last week, that it's more than just that, you know, you know, you know, whatever, whatever all the moral things that we always talk about, that we put those things on the high list, right? It's more than that. Like our lives should look different. So, so today, my message is called Different, the Home Edition. So, let's get context, all right, shall we? And everybody just breathe. Everybody breathe. All right, just breathe. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it through. And when we do, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. There is much written, a lot written, about the family in Roman culture. There's a lot, a lot written. So in Roman culture, um, there was this idea that the way, and this is going to sound very Christian, but let me just say this, some things. The way the family was set up, strong husband, actually over a really dominating husband, and submissive wife, parents, fathers, really fathers, excuse me, fathers, children, slaves, masters. If you read the words in that ancient culture through, actually, if you read um, Aristotle, he writes about this. And it's almost like we're reading the order that Paul's actually talking about. He talks about husbands and wives. No, excuse me. He talks about husbands being the Lord of the home. He talks about, he talks about, this is Aristotle. And, um, and then, um, uh, anyway, he says that, um, children, he talked about the role of the father over the children. He talks about slaves and masters. These are core value principles, not just in the moral world, but the Roman world. Like, so, there are five, Aristotle says if those things fall, the whole nation falls, right? He says if that, that idea crumbles with the strong male and all the subservient people under him, if that fell, then it all falls, right? So, so let's dive in deep because some of us are like, right? But let's talk about what that looks like. In a male-dominated world, and just don't hold your opinions until I'm at the very end, because I hear it, I feel it. All right. So males in Roman culture were absolutely dominant role in Rome. The dominant role. And let me just clarify that before we go on to any kind of other ideas of what I may or may not be saying. Come on. We just read the word, right? So the male, per, like the guy, listen, women in Roman culture, hear me, this, this makes huge amounts of, it, it makes a difference. Women in that culture were not just subservient. In some circles of Roman cultures, they weren't even considered the same species as male. We're not talking about like male 
price different or like what wage different. No, we're not talking about, we're talking about a different species of, of, of thing. So women were, they were of all, so all these weddings, arranged weddings, no choice. Like women had no choice. Just there's your man. Good luck. Serve him and do whatever he tells you to do. Right? Because if that messes up, then the whole the whole the whole the whole uh, Roman Empire falls, right? So much so that the woman, the woman, if the woman was immoral, it could be treated. It could be she could be condemned to death, and not just death, but death like um, opening her mouth and pouring liquid molten um, uh, metal down her throat, lead. Excuse me, lead. Excuse me, lead down her throat. Like, we're not talking, like, what we may or may not see in our culture today, is, it's a different thing. It's very vastly different. We're talking about a person, a woman, who is completely subservient. And if she's immoral, that's terrible. But if the, the male was kind of expected to be immoral and to go have sex with the, the temple prostitute, he could do whatever he wanted, right? But the woman would suffer all this stuff. So you have to put your mind in that kind of, this is what Paul is addressing. This is the culture that Paul is, is addressing. It's vastly different. Even, even to the place where, now some of you say, well, there's this woman I know, and she, she raised, was risen to prominence in Rome. Only because she was married to somebody who was. Only because of that. So women in that culture were not just oppressed. They were just second class citizens. And as well as children were just like, especially a woman child, a small girl child. It was tough. Amen? So quiet. I love it. So women had no rights, no role at all. So then you have Paul speaking to families. Paul's not trying to tear down the patriarchy. He's not trying to tear down the whole system. He's not. But he is, watch this, he's insisting that believers bring the kingdom of God into that system insisting that God brings the kingdom into that order, right? So that's what Paul's doing. Now imagine, imagine what Paul says to men about the way men treat their wives. Now think about it in that context. Vastly different. You're talking about football and baseball, oranges and stump killers, right? Vastly different. This is what Paul is up against and what he's dealing with. Actually, the fact that he even addressed wives at all is completely out of, I don't think we understand. We didn't live in that culture, but the more I studied, the more I, it is, out, it is outstanding that he even said the word wives when he addressed the family, and he said it first. Wives, you have a role to play in this thing. That is not even, it is unheard of. Nowhere in any of the other writings of Rome are the wives even mentioned. It's always addressed to them. 
Awesome. So, let's get into it. So, Paul addresses the women. And then he says, for the man is the head of the wife and the savior of life. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go, pastor. There you go. Head, 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 boss, king, lord. Right? Maybe. Maybe emperor. Maybe. Maybe. But let's, let's look at a, another idea. And remember, let me say, I'm not tearing down the patriarchy either this morning. I don't think. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. But just let me go ahead and say it because I see that some of y'all looking at me like, just trust me. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, what was I saying? The head. So, this word of head has different ideas. We'll say that. The head, and he, he listed of the of Christ submitting to the yes, he does. But also think about the context of what we're reading. He's also saying, as Christ is the head of the body. Right? So if you think about the head, like there's also a, a way to look at this that's correct in in reading Greek, is that the head has to do with source. Like you talk about the headwaters of a river, right? So there's this idea. That not just the, that the husband is this Lord over the home, but there's a source out of him that should flow into his family. Does he take the lead? I think so. As the source of, he says, as the head of the body, right? As Christ is the head of the church, the savior of the body, right? So, he also, let, let, me, let me just get it. Let, let me get to where I want to go before, let me read this scripture. I'm going to skip around in my notes. Mark chapter 10. Let's go there. Remember, we must read scripture in context with other scripture. Mark chapter 10. So, in this, in this case, um, <laughs> Jesus, John, James and John. Don't you love those guys? Just like full of fire and ignorance. It's amazing. <laughs> those guys are awesome. So James and John pull Jesus aside. And, hey, Jesus. Hey, uh, when you come into your kingdom, uh, will you let me and John sit to the right and the left? Uh, we want to sit on the right side and the left side. Hey, Jesus, that'd, that'd be a good idea. You know us. You like us. Are we in? Like we and Jesus like. So Jesus starts off with his amazingness, and he says, "Are you able to drink what I'm going to drink? Are you going to have? Are you going to go through what I'm about to go through?" And they're like, "Yeah, yep, yeah, we're ready. We're ready. Yep, yep, yep." And Jesus is like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. By the way, you will go through that and more." And so then. Then the conversation goes, they go back, and all of a sudden, the disciples hear that James and John asked that question. And they're ticked. They are not happy. They are ill. With like, Who are you, James? And so now this, all this bickering bubbles up. And Jesus says this. When the ten, in verse 41, when the ten disciples heard this, 
They began to be indignant with James and John. Yeah, me too, I would too. Jesus called them over and said, you know how those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lord over them and those in high position act as tyrants over them? But it is not, it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. If you read that scripture in Ephesians, and all you see is who's in charge, you're reading it wrong. You're reading it wrong. You're reading it with this idea of lording over. When you read this, you read, who's the boss? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? She's the boss. Mom, he's the boss. He's the boss. Now, who's David saying he's the boss? She's the boss. He's the boss. No, he's... Jesus says, whoever is going to be the head is going to serve the most. Whoever is going to be the greatest is going to be the servant. This idea was so radically different to the people of Rome. The thought that he would even pay attention. Do you know that they weren't even required really to love each other? This was a partnership of I'm the guy, you're the one who's going to do all my bidding. And Paul flips it on its head and says, "Don't that, that's the way of the world. This dominance, this, this who's in charge, who's the leader. He says, you know what, who's going to be the leader, Jesus says? Who's the servant of the all? And now when we look at that scripture, that's exactly what he's saying. He says, husbands, you may be the ruler of your home, but this is how it's going to look. It's going to look nothing like what other people say ruler of the home is going to look like. He says, you're going to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for To the world, that doesn't look like leadership. To Jesus, it looks like leadership. That you serve and you love and you honor. You give yourself for her. We'll get to the wives in just a minute. But husbands, what are we called to do? Lead in this area. Serve our wives. Love our wives. So much so, guys, listen. Do you realize by the what Jesus says, he correlates this idea of husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. And then he goes on in this thing where he starts melding this idea of the church and natural um, relationship with husbands and wives. First, blending it like, when does he stop and when does he begin? Like all this. But it's this idea of that Jesus so much could love his wife. I would love, excuse me, the, the husband can so much love his wife that he could present her without spot, wrinkle, blameless, and splendor. To take, listen, now let me switch back to culture. To take a culture of woman who being owned and to bring her up to be a person of splendor. That we as husbands, by the washing of the water of the word, can build up our spouses 
to become exactly who God's intended them to be? By our words, and not just by our words, but our leading in our home as husbands, that, that, the, um, that we not only with the water of our own words, but water of Scripture, be people of the word, men of God in the home of the word, that I so honor my wife, that the next thing I know, she's accomplishing so much, she's building, she becomes a, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, as we say, right? Is going out into the market, selling things and doing all kind of stuff. She's loving, right? Because of the way the husband can love. Powerful. See, the authority works different in the kingdom. And Paul says that 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 stuff that you're seeing in your Roman culture, nonsense. Husbands, and can you, okay, so I want you to see this. Can you imagine the next door neighbor? Can you imagine the next door neighbor in in Ephesus? The husband, the, the next door neighbor who's lording over his, and she's just a whatever. That's going to cause some problems. Um, the, the wife is like, you know, the wife is like, look how he treats her. Look how he treats his wife. I don't get treated that way. Wonder why? Because it's the kingdom of God. That husband looks over that other husband and going, and going, I can't like, he doesn't go to the, he doesn't go to the temple prostitutes like I do. He stays home and he loves his wife. Honors his wife, serves his That's different. Different. So it's again, it's this idea of when the kingdom comes, it's going to look different. Now, at the end of this, he summarizes it up. And that he actually says it. In verse... Um, 33. He says to sum up. Yes, he said it. To sum up. Verse 33. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself. And the wife is to respect her husband. There is a good book out. It's called Love and Respect. It's a great marriage book. And it gives an interesting idea of what this actually looks like. It's interesting that in this passage, the, this, it's, the wives are never commanded to love their husbands. They're commanded to respect their husbands. And the idea in this book is that one of the, the number one need of a man, and I can speak by authority on this, by R1, is respect. Is respect. I see my wife can love me by her respect for me, right? To, to show me respect. And let me, let me help you, ladies. When you feel unloved, and it's like, um, it's almost like you're drying up. When you feel unloved and 
unsupported, and all those things. Understand, when you don't show respect for your husband, he feels that's what he feels. It will dry him up. The greatest power. So the power is not just in the husband. Wives, you have tremendous power by the way you respect and show honor to your husband. Complimenting them. Like, can we just break it down? Like, guys, we're such like kids. Like, you ever, you ever seen, you ever seen guys? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about like the, the story, like this, like the little kid on his bike. And there's a bunch of girls standing out in front of their house. And a guy's on the bike. What is he doing? He's showing off, doing wheelies. He's doing all the wheelies. He's doing, a, he's doing, he's like, he's like, um, no hands. Ah, nah, nah. And every once in a while, I glance over and make sure the girls are watching. Like, we don't always grow out of that. It's funny because it's true. We don't always grow out of that. We need the encouragement of the one that God has put in our lives to encourage us, to tell us, like, we need, as silly as that may sound to you, we need it to be shown honor and appreciated and to give respect towards. Do we always deserve that respect? No. You don't always reserve, deserve the love either. Just saying. It hurts because it's true. But that way that you honor your spouse and love your spouse. So whether it's you love your wife as Christ loved the church, or you show your respect, the way that looks like is you are empowering each other. You are giving life to each other by the way you love and the way you honor and the way you show respect towards one another. And yeah, does the wife need, does the husband need love? Yeah. Does the, does the wife need respect? Yes. Right? All of it. And so what does that look like? It looks like husbands, when you come home and your wife, some of you, your wife came home from work too. And you're just like, I'm tapped out. I'm out. I just want to go sit on the couch, do whatever, watch a movie, blah, blah, blah. When there's like dishes all in the stuff and there's stuff everywhere and the kids are going nuts. And you're like, I just need a break. You can have a break in a few hours when you go to bed. But like, to, to disregard, to, to like, okay, so hopefully we are in a, 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 where the dishes and cooking and all that stuff is a thing of the past that we all share responsibility in our homes. But I love my wife. I said something to my wife the other day and I didn't realize, um, uh, she said something to the effect of, can you help me do this? Or can you help me? Do, and and um, I went, oh, what do you mean can I help you? This is our home. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> but the idea of this not being her job, my job, this job, her job, whatever, this is our home. 
that we are building. These are our children. Notice that he proclaims. Do you understand, like husbands, like we understand that when in Old Testament, it was the man's responsibility to teach the children and their children. It was our job. Somewhere along the way, we said, oh, raising children is women's or the women's job. Nonsense. Nonsense. Your children need your voice, man. So, but also, that also works both ways. Sometimes, uh, to show respect, women, just let them go. Let them go relax. I've been working all day. I'm working all day. Show some honor. Show some respect, right? Everything okay? You do? Okay, yeah, come on up. It's so uncomfortable talking about women. I can talk about men all the time. Yeah, so with this scripture here that he just read in Ephesians 5, um, 33, it says, so again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So in that culture, like, the rules were set. Like it was like if you were your dad, like girl, women, your dad said, um, yeah, he gave me a thousand dollars. So, yep, you're his now. That was it. You were done. You were his. You belonged to him. Right. So then the guy was like, hey, I paid a thousand dollars. You belong to me. Right. That's it was like it was like ownership and things like that. So it's interesting that he says these two things like love his wife. So the rules were set. The roles were kind of like a lot of it was just set and assumed and culturally formed. So love his wife and respect her husband. So that girl, that woman was like stuck in that situation. Like there were no options. There were no choices. But respect is something that comes out of your heart. It's a choice that you make to respect, right? So what he was saying was not, let's let's throw this whole system out. Let's forget about all these things. He was saying, you have control over you. And you, in this situation that you're in, you behave godly, like me, if I was in that situation. To the husbands, he said, you're in the situation. You have all the power. So you choose love when you could choose lording, when you could choose power, when you could choose making it all about you. He says, choose love, which is again, something that comes from the inside. It's a choice that we make and you are choosing to be godly, to be like Jesus. Like if Jesus were there in that situation, what would he do? So the enemy of all of this happiness in a godly home is the same enemy that's the, that, that has always been the enemy of, of mankind, and that's selfishness. Right. When you make your marriage all about you, and it's what you want, and you want what you want when you want it, and you deserve it, and you've earned this, and you, 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 you are going to destroy your home. You will destroy your children. 
If you make it about Jesus and you submit and you die to yourself, then Jesus come and lives through you and you have a fruit of love. You have peace in your home. Your children are elevated. Is it hard? Yep. But you know what the apostle Paul said? He said, I die daily. He even said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So when we go through a power structure, I love what you said. This It's not a power structure, you guys. He's saying, you want a happy home? You want a good relationship? You want, you want, then you choose to be like Jesus. You lay down your life for each other. You lay down your life for your spouse. You lay down your life for your children. You don't want to, you don't want to, whatever, stay up a little bit longer and help them finish their homework. But you, you, you could, cause you are done. You are done with those spelling words. You are done. <laughs> but you know what you do? You take a deep breath because they're not done. And you die to yourself a little bit right there. You lay your life down. You ask God for help. God, give me your grace to do this, Jesus. And realize that Jesus loves your children and your grandchildren more than you do. And he will help you to navigate through these things. And, and it's crazy because even in every, like looking at all the people here in this room, all of our lives, those that are married, those that are not married, all of our lives are very different, vastly different. So I can't categorically or David can't stand here and categorically say, when you go home today, then the next thing you're going to do is this. And the next thing you're going to do is this. And the next thing you're going to do is this, if you want to obey this scripture. But what we can say that's categorically true is that we die to ourselves. We ask the Holy Spirit. We ask God, show me how can I, how can I respect my spouse? How can I love my spouse? How can I honor? How can I bless my children? How can I not provoke them to anger? How can I serve my boss at, on my job? Jesus, if you were right here in this, what would you, what would you do? What would you have me do? And you die to yourself and it hurts, but it's worth it because the fruit of, of living a life surrendered to Jesus and doing what he wants is always worth it because it's the way that it's supposed to be. All of our relationships are supposed to demonstrate, showcase what, how God treats us. That's how we treat others. So God who is merciful, God who is loving, God who is patient, God who is strong. That is what we're supposed to be. And the same in these relationships. Yeah. So, so good. So good. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. Amen. You know, uh, she talked about this, the go that you die daily. When you die, like when a seed goes into the ground, it has to die, but then it brings life. It's amazing that when, like, I hear, not here, it's the people that I met a long time ago. I hear some of the way that some of the women talk about their husbands. And I hear criticism, 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 criticism. Understand that when you do that, you are drying them up. You want them to be, you want them to be godly. 
You want them to be the head. You want them to, you want them to love you good and well and all that. And you're, by your words, you drive them up like a raisin. By your word, with criticism. If all you do is criticize, it's ungodly. But, but it's amazing. You know what's great about a dry sponge? It can totally be revived by just that water. Did you realize, like, when I go home, I call my wife and go, honey, did I do a good job? And you know what she says? You did a great job, honey. You did amazing. That was so powerful what you said. That was amazing. I'm so proud to be your wife. Blah, blah, blah. Just on and on. And I'm like, it's like water to my soul. Does she mean it? I don't even care if she means it. It's like water to my soul. Facts, right? Men, facts, right? When you men love your wife and you out of your mouth, honey, I, I want you to... When you love your How's it go? Love your wives. And you love them. And you use those words of kindness and love and honor. And not only when you use those words, because there might not we then we how many talked about the love languages and all that other stuff? When you do those gifts of, of uh, whatever your spouse's love language is, right? My my home? Flowers are okay? Do I help them with the dishes? I am the man of men. Take out the trash. I am her knight in shining armor. She's like over here about to have a Holy Ghost moment right here in the front row. But I wasn't like this the whole my whole marriage. Let me just be honest. I wasn't like that. And until when that time switched, and I started getting some revelation like I'm giving to you. and Realized what my role was as the head of the home was to love my wife and serve my wife. Like, let me just say, everything switched. Everything switched. Guys, we can do this. And listen. In the same way, I appreciate her bringing up children because I don't have time to go into that. Guys, listen. We know, we know that our nation rises and falls in the home. In the home. These principles are where we as believers, I'm not worried about the people who don't know Jesus because they're just going to do what People who don't know Jesus do. That's not, I don't really even care. I mean, I care, whatever. You know what I mean. They're, they're so far not in my view of determining whether I'm right or wrong or any of that stuff. Like, I use the scriptures to tell me those things. But I know that when husbands and wives flow like husbands and wives are supposed to flow in a godly, kingdom-minded place. Self, serve, selfless, serving. 
dying to yourself. That I know that my home, or my home before, and my home now. Is it harder my home now? Not anymore. I've learned to love it, actually. Because it brings so much joy and peace. Right? Let's all stand together while I close. <laughs> I told you we'd land okay. Greg, why don't you just come up to the keyboard? Let's all bow our heads. Oh, I was saying this, like, like as far as our nation and all the things, like the home, home. And I, unfortunately, I probably should do it more, but I don't teach a lot on the home, but it's so vital. It's so vital. So right where you're at, this is you and God. I don't want any husband's elbows. I don't want any wife's elbows. Notice, let me say this. Look at me for a moment. Notice that all of these things, where it's husbands or wives, when it talked about slaves and masters, when it talked about children and parents and parents and children, notice that it always says this, as unto the Lord. Everything that you do is not unto you. It's the what you do as unto the Lord. Because me and my friend Eric, Pastor Eric, were talking about Eric, he's king. Jesus is king. And I bow my knee to his ways and his kingdom principles. Right there where you're at. A lot of marriages in this room. Varying degrees of all kinds of stuff. I'm not asking you to figure out what you should do. I want you to just right now, you and the Lord, just close your eyes, right? Just you and him. Because this has nothing to do with your spouse right now. This is you and him. Would you be bold enough to ask the Lord? Lord, what do I need to do to love my husband well? What do I need to do to respect my husband well? Just you and him. Ask him right there where you're at. Ask him. God, speak to us. Does she hear his voice? Just get quiet. And the answer is, are you willing to do what he asked you to do? It could be just as simple as, I'm going to encourage my husband every day. It could be as simple as asking my wife, is there something around the house that I need to take care of? could be as bold as a conversation that you have with your spouse. Ultimately, it would be amazing to just repent to each other. 
but you just do what God asks you to do. Because it's never about them anyway, it's about you and him. So Father, we ask you to help, help die to myself. love my spouse the way you'd have me love her. Whether that's love, whether that's respect, whether that's works of whether that's uh, works of service, kind words, gifts, any of those things. Thank you, God. Let me, uh, and what, just keep your heads down. I want to say this. If your marriage, this is, I mean, just, I can't do this one-on-one, for, but I want to just say it. There's grace for you in your marriage. There's grace. Some of you have had terrible experiences. Some of you have um, I'm just going to say some of these things, okay? Can you bear with me? Some of you husbands, some of you wives have been through terrible things in childhoods. You've been through terrible things in um, other relationships. I pray God's amazing healing power over you. many of those things that cause us to be people that we don't want to be. And I sense the heart of God for you. And I pray your husband, your spouse the ability to understand. And I pray the, the healing power of God over your heart and your mind. Father, I pray that you give us the courage and the ability to walk in the love of God. God, we love you. Thank you. Just put your hand over your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're always with me. I thank you that you'll always help me. Even though I'm not perfect, I thank you that you'll help me. My heart is to be better. In Jesus' name, amen. These are tough, right? These can be tough things. But um, God's good. God is really good at restoring things. Really good at restoring things.